Coming to you from the red, white, and blue. You're now tuned into the number one crypto podcast on the planet. This is Crypto Conquest, discussing everything cryptocurrency and the evolution of financial systems to the blockchain. Now, here's your host, John Wingate. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you guys doing out there today? Welcome to the Crypto Conquest. Uh, we're coming at you guys live today. We got a great show. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff has happened this week. Let's let my... my there he is. There he is. John, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, doing fantastic. I'm yeah. actually getting some feedback from you. Oh. Oh, there How about we go. Much better. All right, much better. So, yeah, how's your week been, Michael? I know oh, it's been good. Finished. Yeah, we just finished with our bank social update. That went off real, real well. Yeah, yeah. A lot going on over there. A lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that you can't exactly talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really exciting. But today we're here to talk about uh, crypto, the crypto space in general. <clears throat> There's a lot happened this week. This has been a... It's been a crazy couple of weeks happening, but today I uh, want to talk about a couple of different things. First off, make sure you're liking and uh, spreading this information out there to your friends, get them to subscribe so that we can make sure that uh, we bring the news of crypto and the evolution of crypto to the masses. That's our goal here on the Crypto Conquest. Today, we're going to talk about crypto securities, uh, why crypto shouldn't be securities, um, as well as Visa. Budweiser, Sotheby's, uh, making some big moves in NFTs, and then MicroStrategy doing some big buys. So let's start off with that, Michael. Let's start off with the MicroStrategy big buy of $177 million. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Uh, as you see more and more of these in institutional investments being made, um, it, it's it's interesting to follow. It's very interesting to see that, that the big money is is moving uh, into the into the crypto space, it's legitimizing the space even more uh, by having that institutional money coming in, as well as the the greater adoption. Yeah, and I saw some other stuff today about, uh, or not today, but this past week, there were not only did Michael Saylor bring in 177 million in bit Bitcoin, but they also uh, there were also some big whale moves. I saw a wallet on Coinbase transferred out. Uh, something like $160 million worth of Bitcoin. And then I saw another wallet on Binance transferred out 200 and something million dollars. So there are some massive moves. And I like it when I see, when I see people jumping off of centralized exchanges. I love that. To me, that means that people are jumping into other parts of the ecosystem because when it goes the opposite way when people take or people are taking money and putting it into exchanges that means that you have the potential for people to cash that out into fiat or you know make other moves with it but when it leaves or, the get exchanges, or it gets hacked i mean well jesus yeah what about the hack today that happened on bilexy we'll talk about that in a minute but bilexy got hacked today that's that's crazy if you ask me but yeah i mean all this money that's moving out of exchanges uh, really, and we we're a big proponent of that, Michael. You know, keeping your money off of exchanges as much as possible. Don't keep your crypto in exchanges. Get it off of exchanges. Well, who is it that uh, has been saying, uh, "Not your keys, not your money," or "Not your keys, not your crypto"? 
I think everybody needs to say that. I think that needs to be the mantra of the crypto community is that if you don't hold your keys, you don't own that money. And I told my mom that she bought some, uh, she bought some Dogecoin on Robinhood. And I basically told her, I said, you don't own that. She doesn't understand. And I think most people that, that, uh, do this don't understand. Yeah. You know, so we, we're out here to, we're out here to educate, you know, if you don't own those keys, you don't own that crypto. So just make sure that you're not keeping your money on uh, on centralized exchanges, big money at least, or tokens at least. Get them off. Get them into a decentralized wallet. We're going to be releasing the bank social wallet here pretty soon. That'll give you uh, a, a great team behind it and a great tool to help you make that transition into something you feel uh, it, it's got good security behind it. But yeah, don't hold that money on on exchanges. So big news, $177 million moved off uh bought by MicroStrategy. That's real exciting. And a lot of money moving out of, off of exchanges. A lot of Bitcoin just moved off of Coinbase and some big wallets moved off of Binance into some ecosystems. So I think we're going to see a big ramp up here in the next few weeks of altcoin. Altcoin season appears like it's going to be coming back mm-hmm. with a vengeance. You excited for that, Michael? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with, with altcoin season, we've seen NFT season recently. Yeah. Right. Talk about uh, talk about insane gas prices on Ethereum for uh, some times, and it's all these people minting these new new uh, NFTs and and things going crazy back and forth. But uh, you know, we've seen some really interesting moves in the NFT space with big, I would almost say institutional, but you know, big money, big business. No, they are institutional. That's exactly what they are. I mean, Visa it, it is, is an institution. institution. Yeah, you know, it basically providing further legitimacy to the space. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So Visa Visa a couple of days ago bought its first NFT a CryptoPunk, a female CryptoPunk. I thought that was when I saw that I said, "Oh my god. This is uh this is really starting to go mainstream." I mean, how much did they pay? 150, $160,000? $150,000 in Ethereum for the for the, their CryptoPunk. Well, and just in the last few days I was talking with my good friend Robert and he was supposed to be on this podcast with us, but just in the last few days the the bottom the the buy-in for the uh CryptoPunks is now at 600,000 or 500,000. So Visa by making that move Visa immediately brought this, uh, you know, FOMO to the space of holy shit. If Visa's buying in, then we need to buy in, and that just set a new floor for CryptoPunks at six hundred thousand. So basically, a four X from the time Visa bought to now in in a few days. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. And and I think it, it helped also that Budweiser came in. So did you hear about the fan art? So some some guy created some fan art. It was, uh, it was, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to critique it. I'm not an art, uh, I'm not an art uh, connoisseur, or maybe I am an art connoisseur. I'm just not a, an art critic. Uh, but Jesus, somebody bought, I think they paid what, 130000 125000 for a hand drawn NFT of Budweiser? Yeah. And then, and the, the, what, beer.eth uh, address? Yeah, and they bought the beer.eth address. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a question here. What's our opinion on washing and NFTs? You know, I do have a, I do have some thoughts on that. Um, I think it was more prevalent initially. Um, I think that, you know, and what and what you're talking about there, uh, that's a question from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. When he means washing, 
you know, Michael, are you familiar with like tumblers or, and, you know, really just essentially like laundering money, right? Yeah. 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 That, that's you're, you're, you're essentially like moving a whole bunch of money into a thing for the purpose of moving it around. Essentially it's going to, you know, money's going to come in, they're going to buy a thing that whether it's an NFT or whatever, and then I somebody think else gets the ability but, to purchase it. But I think that's getting harder to do now just because there are so many people buying NFTs. Like I'm not laundering any money. I'm not washing any money with NFTs, but I want NFTs. So I think, you know, and my friend Robert, if he was on here, he'd be able to speak to this a little bit more too. But early on when NFTs first came out around, you know, I want to say three and a half, four years ago when they first started making a, an appearance on the scene at that time, I do think that they were a way for people to launder or wash uh, funds through an NFT, have somebody else buy it or have, you know, have somebody else uh, do something to, you know, move the funds around. At the end of the day, I, I still think that while that could have been occurring, you still have to use things like tumblers to clean up the underlying, uh, the underlying uh, funds that are there. Just because you buy an NFT, that doesn't mean that the, the money is washed. I think the biggest thing with NFTs and washing is the appreciable value that gets created from them. So essentially, uh, you know, whereas when you're, when you're washing or tumbling in Ethereum, you throw it into a tumbler and then it comes out clean on the other side with a NFT, you buy a cheap NFT, you put it on the market and then somebody pays a crap ton of money for it. Yeah. So, but again, I don't think that now it's as prevalent just because Michael, how many NFTs have you bought in the last few weeks? Um, just in the last few weeks, I've, I, I, I bought a bunch, uh, I bought eight of the, uh, yeah. the key cuts uh, a little while ago Yeah, um, and minted those. Um, and I've been eyeing some others and, uh, I saw that you had yours, uh, your custom one, uh, created. So I'll be, uh, having one of those created as well. You know, yeah, the profit, uh, the profit. Yep. I've got my seeker of coin coming. Yeah. Flipping crypto, Chris, shout out to flipping crypto on creating yep. that, that for us. That was, they were creating that for me. That was awesome. I really love that. But yeah, I think that, uh, washing it's starting to become less prevalent just because it's harder to do. Uh, there's so many more people buying NFTs. Uh, the price floors on them are naturally moving. Other people are buying them. So that's not really as prevalent as the space, even though I, in the space, even though I think it was uh, a little, a yeah. little bit ago, but, um, you know, things it's like visa, CryptoPunks right now, they're not even showing a floor price on OpenSea. Like, it just doesn't have a price. So I wonder if that's uh, interesting. Wow. Well, maybe it's moving so fast that the system can't keep up. I know my friend this morning, my friend Robert, He's uh, he's got a couple of uh, CryptoPunks, and he's looking at putting one of them on OpenSea for, I don't know, $600,000, $700,000, just ridiculous amounts of money. But that's what happens when you have institutional players like Visa, Budweiser. And now, what did you bring up to me this morning? Who else? The the name I spelled with an R. (laughs) Well, um, you know, auctions. Sotheby's is going to be auctioning the Board Ape Yacht Club. Yeah. NFTs. Yeah. And I, I know my friends from Nifty Culture, Malachi specifically, if he's out there, shout out to the Nifty Culture group and Malachi, uh, Robert, Mike, all those guys over there. But, uh, you know, they were months, you know, what is it? Two months old, three months old, however, however old Board 8 Yacht, Board 8 Yacht Club is. But uh, they were telling me 
my Malachi specifically was telling me that he was really interested in board ape yacht club. And I know that him and Robert always used to go back and forth on how uh, they had differing opinions on if it was going to be a big thing, but Malachi saw it. He, he, he picked that one out uh, and he watched it. And now it's like one of the pinnacle pieces of NFT that exist in the space. Um, and really we're just seeing more. And I think this is one of the things. It has a lot to do with how they're, what they're doing with their communities. And I'm looking at board ape on, uh, on OpenSea right now, their floor is 24.99 ETH right now. And that be, because the it, a lot of it depends on the community that you create around these NFTs and what owning an NFT does for that community or for that person that owns it. Uh, you know, NFTs are being used as a key to gain access to unique and exclusive things. Like uh, in the Board Ape Yacht Club, um, what is it called? They have it here, the bathroom, which is like a collaborative graffiti board. For uh, for my, for instance, like my owning kitty butts gives me specific access to the a closed portion of the Discord server that they operate. That is a uh, like an automated approval system where I, all I had to do was connect my wallet. It looked and saw that I had a kitty butt, and boom, I gained access. It's like you don't have to manually verify these things uh, and take up you know take up time from your, your team or whoever is running the community to, to manually do these things. It's, it's proof of ownership and proof of, you know, exclusive access to, to things. Well, that's, that's a, that's the initial phase of what's happening. What we what we'll see in the future is that these NFTs, the tokens themselves will become more complex in the way you're seeing like the kitty butts, what they just come out with. You can merge two kitty butts together and get a unique or, a, or ultra rare kitty butt. Right. Exactly. And these are the, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing that, that the NFT space is really, and I think as you get these bigger players coming in and paying more. So, you know, when you buy an NFT, some of the way these NFTs work are a portion of that buy and that sell goes to the person who uh, minted that, that uh yeah the art a lot of it's going to the artists yeah and so the artists build in a perpetual uh revenue stream for themselves and as these sell for more and more and more these these they're earning a living that way they're earning not only that they're funding future development right so think about how when you start off and and you're really just one guy or two guys and you do all the artwork and you just want to launch a simple token as the the ecosystem develops and you have revenue coming in, now you can hire, now you can put different ideas into the token and, and you can really start to increase the complexity and the interactivity between tokens or with the users of the community. I mean, we're really just scratching the surface on what NFTs are gonna become. And uh, we talk about it on Twitter, on our Twitter spaces, uh, You know, it's been a big topic and everybody really loves talking about it, but we're just scratching the surface. And I love how you brought up that you're really excited about how it gives you access to, you know, verification systems that you can now see and interact with communities and you can prove to people that you're part of this community by holding this token. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Holding the token and, you know, there's all kinds of things that are being done with it. Uh, it, You're only limited by your imagination and what you are able to code. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's why I think this is this is going to be a really exciting thing. But uh, let's jump off of that and let's jump into the main topic here, which is something that I'm real passionate about, and that's uh, 
cryptocurrencies and the way they're classified or, or governments, specifically the United States, is starting to want to classify these. I think Gary Gensler came out the other day and made a, a statement to the effect of everything out there is a, every everything in the entire space is a security. And uh, talk about somebody not coming from a place of understanding. Uh, that, I, I don't think you can be coming from a place of less understanding than that comment right there. But uh, I wanted to just go into you know, the, the existing systems, right, Michael, that are full of people like, uh, and, and I'm not going to name company names here because I don't want you know, anybody to come after and say, oh, you're, you're defaming us online. But there are handfuls and, and bagfuls and carfuls and busfuls and airplanefuls and yachtfuls and, and cruise shipfuls of businesses that are classified as securities and investors still get screwed out of every dime and there's no restitution. There's no safety net. There's nothing, nothing. And you know, I understand why in that existing system, you need to have a security. So follow me here, Michael. In the existing yep. systems, in the current and existing systems, you have a, a place where an investor takes some value that they've created in some other part of the ecosystem, and they decide that they're going to give that value to an entity. Once they hand over, once they make that transaction finalized, they have no visibility to that money whatsoever. It's gone as far as they're concerned. They've, they now need securities, haha, the word securities. They now need securities in place to ensure that that company is doing what they say they're going to do with the money and that when they, when they put a, um, you know, when they put a quarterly report out and it shows one page of numbers that there's something behind, even though there's not really anything truly, you know, propping that up. I know that the, the Securities and Exchange Commission thinks that they're doing something there, but there's nothing really propping that up. And this is not a hit on the Securities and Exchange Commission. I think they do the job that they've they've been set out to do. And I think that it's good in the current system, right? Because it's needed in the current system because you need to have, uh, you know, it's not, not to say that new things can't come out and, and it can't be improved upon and it can't evolve. It should, and it, and it can, but it's definitely understandable why that's needed in that system. You've made a transaction, your, your funds are tied up, they're gone, and now you have no visibility into it. You need some, you need some securities there to protect you. You following that, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting the way that things are being classified and, and what, the securities are being what what is being deemed securities when in actuality that uh, they might not be uh, whereas there there are more like for instance i believe with our our you know our our bank social that uh, was deemed to be you know not a security because it's more of a governance well it's it's a utility but it goes deeper than that it goes deeper than that in the in the to the respect of no cryptocurrency that's really a cryptocurrency and what i define cryptocurrency is is something that is is open sourced viewable on a blockchain you can follow the transaction you can follow every detail of where everything went what wallet it went to where it was you know where it was used um, and you can call somebody out on it instantaneously instantaneously it doesn't take a quarterly or maybe six years worth of enron cooking books to figure oops i said it 
I said a bad word, but they're not in business anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you know, it doesn't take six or seven years of a company like that cooking the books with cryptocurrencies. The reason why these things are, in my opinion, should not be considered securities is that when I make a transaction on the blockchain, I can now see exactly from from the second I put it in to the second I take it out and make my decision to take it out, I can see exactly what's going on. If one day somebody starts selling something and I'm watching wallets doing all this stuff, I can just say, you know what? I'm out of this. I don't have to wait until the SEC busts in and says, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I know you couldn't see what was happening in this bank account and this bank account and this bank account and this bank account and how they were doing all their accounting. But we have figured it out. We were able to stop it for you. Your security. We, we've been your security system in place. The blockchain is the security system. The blockchain. Let me say that again. The blockchain is the security system. That's what I trust. That's what I believe in. I can see when I put my, when I stake value, when I put my money into something, I can see where it goes. I don't need anybody to tell me. I don't need, and, and anybody can do this. It's not just because I'm super savvy, even though I am, Michael. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's not because of that. It's because it's open source. Anybody can see it. I mean, I've got people who have never, they don't really understand the blockchain, but they see transactions happening and they come to us in our community, for example, and they question it. They can question it. They don't have to wait for a quarterly report. They can literally see it happening. And because of that, because of that feature of the blockchain right there, that one thing alone, there's no need for securities and exchanging to be policing things over here. There's just nothing to police. I mean, what, what are you going to police? The whole purpose of securities and exchanges is to, if somebody's going to be utilizing your money that you've put into their system and you can't see where it's going, you need somebody looking out for you. You need an entity that can make sure that they're not taking your money and doing something that you can't see. Keyword, you can't see with it. It's non, yes. it's not security. It's not secure. You know, because you can't see it. If you were able in the existing systems to say, oh, look at that. If you had access to their banking accounts and you can say, man, what the hell are these guys paying? I don't want my money in here anymore. I'm taking it out. They might not yep. be doing anything illegal with it. I'm not saying they are, but you see it. You can question it. You don't like it. Take it out. You don't have that ability with the blockchain you do. Does that make yep. sense, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is the beauty of it is the blockchain doesn't lie. And it's it does public not lie. information. That's right. That's right. It doesn't lie. It's public information, you know, and to this point, I mean, the beauty of it is it hasn't even been, you know, if we're looking at big protocols like, like Ethereum and Bitcoin, I mean, think about the financial, the financial, uh, uh, behemoth those have become, right? How much money there is in those two protocols. If anything is trying to get hacked right now, if there's any, if there's any, you know, protocol in the world that's getting hack attempts on it done daily, hourly, every minute, every second, it's probably those two protocols. I would say that no other protocol in the history of the world has been tested more than these two protocols. I mean, I don't. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? Um, no, I mean, I, I agree. They're they're heavily tested. I mean, they're tested all the time. They're they're tested every time a new chain, uh, you know not new chain, but like every, every time a new protocol comes out that 
gets evaluated on it uh, every time transactions are done on it. They're 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 being it's it's being utilized. It's being tested and and proven. Uh, and as we've seen that it's it is the projects themselves that are either utility driven or, or and based or you know sometimes nefarious projects out there obviously we've seen those but that's the beauty of the blockchain well i'm talking about more from a a hacking perspective so you know right now in in ethereum for example there's what 300 million no sorry 300 billion dollars of money that is being circulated within the Ethereum's ecosystem. And there's what, 800 billion in Bitcoin or 1, 1 trillion in Bitcoin, something like this. The, the amounts of money that are in these systems are so staggering that I can guarantee you that there are people all over the world daily attempting to hack the protocol itself. Forget, forget, you know, sidechain solutions, forget exchanges, forget, uh, you know, forget, any other aspect of these ecosystems and just focus on the base protocol, Ethereum. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You see what I, I mean? Just, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it hasn't been done yet, has it? I mean, as it far hasn't as been know, done. No, it hasn't been done. And all of these hacks that have been, been done have been done at, at some kind of an endpoint, whether that be, you know, a centralized exchange, um, things like that. that that's, Pretty much all we've seen getting hacked is 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 you have you have centralized exchanges that have been getting hacked, or you have bad projects on the chain, but the chain itself have not has not been been breached. Yeah, and so the Securities Exchange Commission really doesn't focus on those types of things. They don't focus on hacks. They don't focus on those types of breaches. That's not their their forte, and that's not what they're intended for. And I'm not saying they should be brought up and and put into those positions. But what I am saying is that if we're going to regulate or we're going to provide any type of security to the crypto space, it needs to be more technology driven. It needs to be more, um, you know, from a, it needs to come in from a different, different vantage point right now, taking the existing system and applying it across the board to cryptocurrencies. Not only does it not fit, it's, it's, I mean, we're talking about a cube being stuck into a you know 2D trying to trying to be be put onto a, a 2D circle drawn on a piece of paper. It's not even in the same realm of you know governance that that we would have to layer on top of this. So it has to be looked at from an entirely different metric. I think we've got to get people uh, you know working on this that both understand the existing financial institutions to a degree. And that understand the blockchain to a high degree because you can't you can't wrap solutions you know uh, uh, successful solutions at least when you don't understand what you're working on, right? What you're securing, right? You know? Right. So, you know that that's that's something that I think. Um, you know, as far as cryptocurrencies being securities, I really don't feel like that, that. And I'm not saying across the board, but I think it's it's the other way around. They're saying right now that more, you know, almost all are securities. I'm saying almost all aren't securities. Yeah, I think you're right that maybe some of these centralized exchanges, the way they're operating in a non-transparent manner. Not that there's. I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just more traditionally. It's just more traditionally 
grounded. And there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the, you know, to that, to that degree, I believe it's completely opposite way. I think most are not in need of being governed by some entity like the SEC and the vast majority because of the way they're built on the blockchain and because of the visibility that it gives everybody who's pr participating in the protocol, they don't need the same type of regulatory scrutiny. Just this is not needed because everything's open. You could see it. Yeah, it, it is. And that's where we go. We, we, you know, we get back to the same thing where it's, it's open. Everybody can see it. Everybody has the same opportunity to view what it is. You know, everybody can go to, you know, Etherscan, BSC scan, you know, all those pages, and you can literally look up any address and see what it is. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. So hope, here's to hoping, um, can I raise a glass? Here's to hoping that the entities that be um, really take a in-depth focused view at you know, from a, from a position of understanding of what the technology is to come up with a solution that's holistic in the way it governs and not just applying an existing framework to a paradigm shifting technology, a, f a paradigm shifting ecosystem, e economy, economic system. It needs to be, it needs to be completely rethought. It needs to be, uh, worked from the ground up really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I can't remember, uh, which uh, which of the I believe it was congressman or, or whoever was uh, uh, said it, but they were like, we're trying to regulate something that we don't understand, and um, it's you know it's good that someone said that. That, that, that uh, I think it was Ted Cruz. It. I think it was the was man from Texas, Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it. You know, it. It if it's true, you know, why try and regulate something that you don't yet understand and you need to understand it more before you start to implement regulation and, and uh, you know, restrictions on things that it may be detrimental to the uh, well, entire forget about, forget about the detrimental part. Let's look at something that can be an unintended consequence of, of this regulatory, you know, uh, oversight. So great. Okay. You put regulatory oversight in and let's say 80% of the community doesn't want to adhere to it. Now you've just forced another uh, evolution of that to be something that's even harder to control. Why? Why would you want to force things like this, you know, into a, into a more decentralized manner, unless that's their goal. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe the goal of the government is to decentralize this to the, you know, infinite degree so that it's so obscure that nobody knows who they're dealing with. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. Who knows? But, you know, there's there's the unintended consequence of putting something in place where all these really smart, you know, developers around the world, people like Vitalik that we haven't met yet, are going to look at the the new laws and say, "Oh, you mean all I have to do is uh is uh code around it like this and I'm done?" Oh my god, let me just go let me just go spend a couple hours writing that. No problem. I got that covered. And I think you, you open this rabbit's hole of, uh, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do you really want to take this? I mean, how, how many iterations do we need to go to b through before we understand that the people just want freedom? It's yep. openly visible freedom. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. In your existing system, you need the, the, the scrutiny. You need the regulatory adherence. You need the regulatory compliance because the people staking value into the system 
can't see where it's going. You know, yeah. Bernie Madoff can just run off with your money. Yeah. Go put securities on that. Go put securities on that. We need that. I don't need that in blockchain. I can put, I can stake my ETH into some protocol and I can literally put, throw a programmatic notification on it that tells me if it drops by 0.001%, let me know so I can have my money automatically taken out for me, by the way. I don't even have to be there for that either. Yeah. You know? So it's wow. amazing. The capabilities. Exactly. And so that's what I think as, you know, we just need to, as a community, we need to band together. And we, when we hear these types of discussions, it doesn't need to be, you know, we don't need to immediately turn to the negative, uh, you know, completely negative of, we just need to educate what the blockchain is, how it's a complete paradigm shift from anything else that's out there in the world, and then provide guidance best we know to help people work through this and understand it in their mind. And hopefully we get to a place where, um, you know, these regulatory bodies that aim to look at doing this focus on the right things, you know, um, like the, like I said, with the hacking and the breaching and the insurance and open up the, the protocols ability to provide itself with more, um, security itself though. Right. Not, not from the, not from the government, because at the end of the day, the security has to come from the company. Right. I mean, when, when Enron ran off with all that money, it just ran off with all that money. No, no security, no SEC, no accountant, nothing, nothing, you know, did that. And so the only thing that it did was it just obscured, it gave people a false sense of security. It obscured the, the workings, the inner workings of it with a false sense of security. And, and, you know, it just, it ended up the way it did. Again, we can't, we can't protect what we can't see. And, it's very hard to rely on a single entity to do this anyway. That's why the blockchain is here. And that's why it's going to revolutionize everything that everything that we see in it. And I'm very excited to be on the forefront of it. As always, you know that, uh, Michael. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's all I want to say about that. I won't I won't talk anymore about that. I think we beat that. <laughs> we beat that horse to death. <laughs> yeah. Well, what so, else? What else? No, I think that was pretty much it. So we went through, uh, you know, how Visa bought its first NFT, the CryptoPunk, for $177,000. Crazy. Budweiser buys uh, a fan-created art for $120,000. Sotheby's is auctioning off. Board 8 Yacht Club and CryptoPunks for the first time ever. Uh, MicroStrategy going all in, buying $177 million worth of Bitcoin earlier this week. And then discussing why cryptocurrencies should not be classified as security. I think that got us through everything we wanted to discuss today. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Michael. As always, a pleasure having you on here. I love talking with you. Um, I'm sure we could talk for hours about this as we do always. But um, yeah, anything else you want to say? No, no. That's uh, another great one today. I agree. So all the love and all the power, people. Uh, we'll see you in a couple more days for another episode of the Crypto Conquest. Until then, you guys stay crypto. Um, all the love and all the power. Have a good one. Bye-bye.